the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're sad, allow God to put a joy, a smile on your face. If you're married, give a good and warm greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good warm morning hug or welcome to your children and to all those who live with you. And do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning and contact friend so they can join in as well. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre, and good Holy Sunday morning with God. I will sing to you, O Lord, I will learn from you the way of perfection. In this uh, Psalm 101, my friends, uh, on this uh, beautiful 4th of July weekend, we shall uh, pray for the good ruler. I have with me in the studio and on the phone um, Mr. Patrick Davis, a friend of the show at this point. Patrick, I want to salute you and greet you and wish you happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, Father. Independence Day. And uh, Independence Day, absolutely. And uh, to Mr. Julian as well, a great friend for the show and a personal friend. Uh, good Sunday morning to you and happy Independence Day to you as well. Happy Independence Day, Father. Well, today I want us to pray together for our nation. And you know there is a psalm uh, that promises a good ruler. It's Psalm 101. So for our friends who have uh, with them uh, the Bible, you may open any version of the Bible, King James or a Catholic version or an international version, um, turn to Psalm 101. The title of the psalm is A Vowel for, of a Good Ruler, basically. And... Um, we start to pray in it together, and let us offer it for all the civil authorities who rule over us in this country, for all public figures who serve in a public service, whether in the military, in social services, in uh, the government agencies, or in the executive branch, or in the Supreme Court. As a matter of fact, we need to pray a lot for uh, uh, the members of the Supreme Justices and uh, for all the judges in the United States of America. I do not know if you know, but at least we know that one judge was attacked in one of the states and actually was found dead. Um, I do not want to say too much about it, um, but let us pray for the safety and the security of our government system, um, especially when it is trying to do something that is um, serving the truth and that is serving the rule of law. Um, yet we see that there are waves of hate, uh, misunderstandings, confusions, and violence. Uh, may all this stop. So I know by now your Bibles are ready. Let us pray. O God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I will sing to you, O Lord, I will learn from you the way of perfection. My song is of mercy and justice. I sing to you, O Lord. I will walk in the way of perfection. O and Lord, will you come? I will walk with a blameless heart. House. I will not set before my eyes whatever is base. I will hate the ways of the crooked. They shall not be my friends. The false hearted must keep far away. The wicked I disown. The man who slanders his neighbor in secret I will bring to silence. The man of a proud looks and haughty heart I will never endure. I look to the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way of perfection shall be my friend. No man who practices deceit shall live within my house. No man who utters lies shall stand before my eyes. Morning by morning I will silence all the wicked in the land, uprooting from the city of the Lord all who do evil. Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Uh, Patrick, uh, Julian, I do want to make a, a quiz for you both. But uh, this is David, you know, David the prophet. And David was the king of the Jews. And a thousand years old before the Lord Jesus Christ, his son built the temple. He was the greatest king ever. Uh, and he killed with one stone the giant of the Philistines, as a matter of fact. Imagine this was his actually electoral speech. <laughs> would you vote for him? Patrick first. I would I vote not for him. Preach, but did you pay attention? <laughs> I, I would vote for him. Well, uh, in fear of uh, being struck down. <laughs> of course I would vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, now what did you think about this psalm, honestly, as an electoral speech? Would you vote for such a ruler? Well, like most electoral speeches, David does a very good job of uh, professing what is good rather than acting on it. I have the benefit hey, of hindsight now. No, I would not vote for him as an actual ruler. He was, he was quite terrible in some respects. But yes, I, I agree in, in in the spirit of it, especially with lines that talk about one should live in honesty and not falsehood. One should strive for perfection every day and not just wave one's hands and say, well, I repent, so I'm forgiven. Patrick, uh, you yourself have lived um, a wonderful life in public service. Um, through many administrations, I believe, since George Bush, if I'm not mistaken. Senior or junior? Senior. Um, was it George Bush senior? Senior, senior correct. Yeah. And you're still young, by the way. You're still young. And you still have good young children in the house. And your wife is young. God bless you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, in terms of uh, what are the fights, what are the definitive battles that you have witnessed during your career and still witness, that they are the most important that you think God is proud of, that we fought for as Americans, God is proud of, and they are a source of honor for us as Americans on this 4th of July. 
Well, I think you have to go back to the original uh, the original fight for this country, the, the original fight for freedom um, that uh, we waged when the pilgrim, pilgrims came here. They came here um, seeking religious freedom and religious liberty, uh, the, the ability to start their own country and, uh, and, and rule it the way that they wanted to. And, and then we, we had to fight a war um, in 1776 to become, uh, to become this country. And that is, to me, the the ultimate uh, fight for freedom in this country. Uh, in the last 50 years, we've, uh, we've battled over the, the question of life. Um, uh, we are now battling over the question of the Second Amendment uh, and how, how this country um, treats, uh, treats guns. Um, the, the battles, Father, haven't been limited, uh, and they will continue to grow. Uh, the things that we've been... Um, really battling about over the last um, since the beginning of this this country I'll go back to uh, the basis of of freedom and freedom to live your life the way that you want to without government uh, with government's boot on your neck so Julian if I may ask you in, in your turn um, I, I know um, in a very diplomatic way basically any battle for freedom what Patrick is saying was a battle for which we should feel honored and somehow and do you agree with that assessment? Um, as an American who carries a heritage over 250 years um, of independence, let's say, um, are you proud of the battles? Which battles would you consider we have? We can be proud of as Americans. There are so many in this country, and you're playing one of my favorite games. Every every year, if I'm teaching in the summer, I ask my students towards Independence Day, "What is your favorite freedom?" Mm. And depending on the, the docket of the Supreme Court, it may be a different focus every year. Um, this year, I think uh, religious freedom is going to be a big player come the 4th of July, in fact, right now. But I, w- I would add something that gets a little less attention. And I would say that one of the most fundamental roles that freedom and human dignity have played, that the United States has, has involved, is simply in how we address each other. Today, people frequently will tell you, don't call me Mr. or Ms. That's what my parents are. But in doing so, they forget what that actually means. When George Washington was figuring out how to call each other, he was looking at titles. And before the United States, peasants were addressed as you there if you were being rude, or perhaps good man or good woman if you were being polite. It was the United States that settled on the title of greatest respect for a non-noble person in choosing Mr. and Ms. and applying that to every individual as, as people worthy of respect. And so great was that change that it forced every other country on earth to try to find some form of, of synonym for that in their own culture and acknowledge basic human <clears throat> dignity and equality. That is one of the favorite things, I think, that America has contributed, not just to its own people in terms of freedom, but to the entire world in appreciation for human freedom and dignity. Patrick, uh, I know you're involved in uh, the local politics, and uh, in this term, I do understand that uh, being in politics is honestly being in the public life of the people, the politicos, uh, to make sure that the many agree, to make sure that the many agree to walk towards the truth. Um, today, um, and, and uh, Julian has defined and somehow the battles of the freedom of in the centuries of the United States, they took various focuses. 
But today we see a focus. There is a war in gender. There is a pro-war and pro-life. Here in our state of Colorado, there is a, um, a war about uh, the trisemester, uh, basically abortion. Um, and the federal government, uh, the Supreme Court is overturning, or the um, rumor is that they will overturn Roe versus Wade, or it has overturned. Uh, religious rights of the students and parents. Just uh, the LA Times mentioned that the Supreme Court also um, issued a new ruling uh, for parents seeking state aid for religious schools that uh, they say in case uh, basically a state has subsidy programs, they cannot deny it from the private school. Um, even though a state need not subsidize a private education, but once a state decides to do so, it cannot disqualify some private schools solely because they are religious. And this was the opinion of Chief Justice John Roberts Jr., uh, who said that discrimination based on religion, I quote, was odious to our Constitution and could not stand. In our state, we see those focuses today. Do you think these wars are about religious freedom, really, or they are political issues purely? Uh, well, I think that they are probably they they have some relationship to the religion to religious freedom and and battles for religious freedom, but particularly to the to the life question, I think it's a a, a freedom to believe that life is sacred and that it must be protected uh, at all stages. Um, and you have in this case, we are fighting for the freedom uh, for an individual to believe that life is sacred. And that it should be protected, and in many cases that um, that is borne out by their faith uh, in what they be- what they believe in their church uh, or their synagogue, and it's um, it, it is an attack on religious freedom um, when those questions um, get entered into the into political debates, uh, then they become uh, they become public questions. And they, the the arguments, the two sides of the argument, get defined um, not on religious bases, um, and not even on scientific bases, but on um, political bases, uh, based on what the Democrat Party may believe or what the pro-choice side may believe, versus what the Republican Party might believe, versus uh, what or what the the pro-life movement might say. Uh, and so, the the battle for uh, religious freedom and the the right to life. Um, it, it is interme- they are intermeshed between politics and uh, religion and science, uh, and to to most people it it can be confusing. Uh, it, we learned in the last couple months, um, as we were talking about the potential for Roe to be overturned, that Correct. there are various um, laws around this country that um, that that take different views of. Of protecting life, and I think to most Americans, they were surprised to realize that the state next door might have a different view on abortion than they do in their own state. And it's it it is it has been an eye-opening and learning experience for the American people. Well, Julian, I, I want to ask you: if you usually search, if you usually search, you know there has been hundreds of activities and violence that took place against churches. 
organizations who uh, collaborate or by nature, they have a religious dimension in them. I'm talking in a pro-life, you know, now, specifically this past month and a half or two, when the rumor came out and the leak happened, and you were our guest on the show many times and spoke about it, um, about overturning Roe versus Wade, and basically the Supreme Court would say, it's not my competence to, to, uh, uh, to kill a baby or to, to, to decide, to decide over uh, whose right is to um, kill a baby or not kill a baby, if abortion is legal or not legal, they're going to turn it back to the state. Yet, in meanwhile, we see violences happen around the country. But if you search on the engine, on uh, the social media or the um, uh, websites um, or on Google, um, for instance, you see usually anti-abortion, anti-abortion is violence. You hardly see violence against pro-life, even though there are more incidents recorded against the pro-life than against the the, the pro-abortion. Why is that? (laughs) Well, it's one of those great ironies of hypocrisy, I think. You see these people go out there and claim that they're for freedom of bodily autonomy. They don't want a threat to their freedom, and they're lashing out because of it. And yet, if you look at that with any sort of seriousness, you see that these people are not actually fighting for any sort of freedom. If they were, they'd be, they'd be ecstatic that this is no longer a federally controlled issue. The people who agree with them can have states that are very pro-abortion, and other states where people disagree with them, they can have very pro-life protected states. And that would be a celebration of freedom. However, these people aren't actually for freedom. They, they're attacking Catholic churches on the grounds that these churches are oppressing their bodies somehow, and yet it's not the churches that have power over the law. It's not the churches that can mandate what happens. These people are using fear tactics because they themselves cannot tolerate a, a dissent in, in opinion. That we are in, again, I say this all the time to my students, it is rather ironic that people talk about how the church is dragging us back to the Dark Ages, and yet they're behaving more like the medieval Inquisition than any officer of the church I've seen in modern days, in which no dissenting view is tolerated, that anything that is not part of the academic, secular, leftist orthodoxy is considered blasphemy and must be stomped out, and however violently is necessary. It is a fundamentalist reactionary uh, response to an utterly irrational and inconsistent position. Well, Patrick, um, so honestly, if you look if you look on the search engines and you search like how many crimes were committed in the last three months or how many violences against churches, against pro-life movement, there is not one single record up until today. All of a sudden you see that, you know, anti-abortion violence is, is, is out there, state abortion legislation, you know, uh, anti-abortion terrorism, they, they call about pro-life terrorism. They actually talk about pro-life almost being terrorist. What do you think in our state? How will our state of Colorado, you that being involved now in the current uh, political um, campaigns, basically, of, of conservative candidates, um, can this change? Will this ever change? And uh, is pro-life safe as a movement in the state of Colorado? Patrick. Well, I'd like to talk about my experience in South Dakota in 2006 and 2008. Um, it, I, I was part of um, the strategy team 
for two uh, pro-life campaigns uh, to change the definition of when life begins and when a person can get an abortion and how they can get abortion in the state of South Dakota in 2006 and 2008. And in both of those cases, there were hundreds of volunteers that were showing up at our campaign headquarters as we got close to Election Day. We had to have armed guards protecting the volunteers because we were getting death threats um, at these at these campaign headquarters and volunteers were being intimidated and not not wanting to show up. You have to look at the uh, the the Judge Kavanaugh uh, confirmation hearings and just look at how the the pro-choice activists got into the United States Capitol and got in the face of um, U.S. Senators, then U.S. Senator Jeff Flake in the in the um, confined confines of a an elevator and screaming at him when they were on an, a on a break the um that is exactly what we fear will um manifest itself in Colorado and really around the world or excuse me around the rest of the country um as the the proposition of roe being overturned um starts to sink in in this country um it it's definitely uh, an attack on the church. It's an attack on any institution that is associated with a church, like a pregnancy center, or a or the pro life movement. Um, and the 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 most obvious target, sadly, is the church down the street, because I believe, but for the Catholic Church, there really would not be a, a an effective pro life movement in this country. With you, Patrick, and I'm, and I'm sure Julian, uh, uh, we have talked about uh, the church uh, being forced for good, but without talking in general, because I, I like to open the theme in the future with uh, um, very good guests like yourselves, both of you and many other guests, um, uh, and to open to allow an opportunity when 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 uh, the history of religion made something wrong to apologize and to correct the past. But when it made something good, we want to see which is more essential, um, um, Julian, in a state of Colorado now at this point as a battle for what is the priority uh, battle that we are facing? And what do you want the people to do before this upcoming cycle, uh, midterm cycle um, and, and possible changes in the government or no changes at all? What is this essential battle now that we need to focus on? As the church or as people? Both. As, as I would say, speaking about religious freedom, uh, when you say church, I honestly, I would, I would say uh, re- religious communities in, in, in the state of Colorado. You know, people who have connection with God and they live it in a systematic, private, or public way. And as a people of goodwill, what, what is the common battle that now we need to pay attention to? And how do we face it? Consistency and integrity, I think, by far, it's always the most difficult thing for religious people. We, and today, we live in the, where the dominant religion is only nominally Christianity. I think the dominant religion in this country is mostly the religion of nice. Try not to offend anyone. Keep the collections coming in, build a community that's good enough, isn't it? Uh, but then you lose all substantial meaning or virtue that you're supposed to be standing for. Teaching people how to stand up for their convictions, teaching people how to live civilly with one another and yet still stand for some sort of virtue that you believe in, building a community not just of people you go and hang out with and maybe see 
once a week and have potlucks with, mm-hmm. but a community of people that can help you stand up for the virtues you actually believe in. This is important, and the churches are failing at it. Uh, and they're failing I at want it to ask you a last question. They... Um, I want to ask you a last question, uh, Julian, because I want to ask the same question to Patrick. If you were to be elected, uh, or if you have a friends who are running for office, or they are officers in a public office in the state of Colorado, would you recommend that they will be in touch with the religious communities in the state of Colorado? And would you really recommend that they, they get into a relationship, they speak over these issues that you're talking about right now? <laughs> there is no greater collection of cowards in the state of Colorado than the leadership of the religious community. I, I mean, look at the Catholic bishops. I, they can barely stand for anything. They, the Methodists had to bring their Supreme Court here to settle their disputes, and they still haven't got it all settled or sorted. They're still afraid to stand for anything. Uh, I think Patrick, if in, one uh, wants um, to stand may, for the religious community... Mm-hmm. If I may interrupt you, Julian, because I got your opinion, and we will talk about it more on, on future shows. We have a few minutes left. Patrick, your opinion in this regard... Uh, the relationship between uh, the religious institutions in the state of Colorado when it comes to social justice, to battles over life and, and pro-life, and relationship with public officials. Do you recommend the relationship to happen? Absolutely. I, I ask all of my candidates, whether they're running for federal office or, or state office or even local office, um, to ask their, their church, if they belong to a church, uh, if they can address the congregation, if they can... Um, uh, have a chance to to preach um, because it will make them a better candidate. Um, it will force them to realize their their faults as a person, uh, and it, it improves their character. Um, it forces them to to face some of their failings. And so, the, all of the candidates that I've worked with over the years, um, I've asked to go to their church or go to a church. Um, and they, without fail, they come back to me and they say, gosh, that was one of the best experiences. Thank you both for this uh, great show that we have done. And again, happy 4th of July, happy Independence Day. Bless us, bless this country, forgive us our sins, and bring us all to everlasting life. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today. And join us next week at 9.30 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning. With Father Andre. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.